This podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. Welcome to Just Thinking with Stan Wegland, a unique podcast that breaks down all of the topics in life you want to hear about from someone who's been there, done that, and lived through it all. No topic is off limits, and all things will be discussed with thought-provoking knowledge that will make you look at things in a different way. Just Thinking for times like these. Hey everybody, this is Stan Wengland, and if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you have arrived at the podcast known as Just Thinking. Boy, doesn't that sound dramatic? I must be in a dramatic mood today. Actually, I am a little bit because it's Memorial Day uh, weekend, and uh, it brings to mind uh, uh, many memories for me. Uh, Not of uh, picnics and all the good stuff that most of us uh, you know, celebrate on Memorial Day uh, weekend. You know, we usually have a very good time with that. Uh, for, for me, I, I do that too, but uh, for a long, long, long time, uh, I've had a very, um, well, many times during the year, I think of a particular individual, and especially during this time of the year, I, I think of one particular individual and all the other characters Uh, that kind of intersected in his life, including me. And I'd like to do a Memorial Day dedication to one hero. And uh, yeah, he was a a hero and an innocent guy and uh, a sweet, sweet, sweet young man. And his name was uh, PFC James William Hickey. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the name. PFC James William Hickey. And uh, as I looked at the virtual Vietnam Memorial Wall, uh, he's one of two Hickeys that are on there. There's another uh, another young man, his name that uh, you know with a, a similar name uh, that I saw. And uh, I finally found um, Hickey's uh, you know spot on the wall and some more information about him that I didn't have before. And, uh, you know, everybody who knows me, uh, and I've mentioned his name several times on podcasts, but I've never had the opportunity to do a show just for him. And today I'm going to get that opportunity. And and I think it's a great Memorial Day uh, type of tribute in a show because there could be a million names there. And there are of different people and everybody has their story. Uh, not everybody is remembered equally and uh, you know maybe they should be and uh, a lot of people just say you know thanks for your service uh, you know to all the veterans who gave their life uh, you know blah 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 but they don't associate you know a person with that it's, and, and that's normal for people you know because it's a, it's a very sad thing and I, I saw this as I was looking for information on uh, Jimmy, and forgive me for calling you know James William Hickey. I don't want to be disrespectful, but to me he was Jimmy Hickey or Hickey. Uh, I saw this uh, message posted on his wall for the first time from his niece, and uh, it's from 2008. 
So it's from, you know, obviously 12 years ago. And she said at that time, you shipped out right before I was born and you died not four months later. And I never had the chance to know you, but was told that you were a good man. Unfortunately, there is one less of those in a world where there is not enough of them. Just know you were thought of and talked about with love and God bless. Oh, and by the way, thank you. And that's from his niece. Uh, and I won't mention her name because I don't have permission to do that. But uh, that's his niece with uh, you know the same last name as as he has. And what a lovely uh, what a lovely comment. And I was thinking that I, I never met his niece. I never met Jimmy's uh, parents, as a matter of fact. But uh, I had the opportunity of spending many times with him in the Sea Scouts and in a Boy Scout camp that, uh, that the Sea Scouts would actually go to in, in the winter. It was a tradition. And uh, he was one of the sweetest, kindest teenagers uh, when I was a young boy uh, that I was ever around. And uh, all the other fellows in the Sea Scouts group were equally as nice. They, they were just lovely guys. I, I really have to admit that. They were, to a person, people you could really look up to, and they were fun, and, and uh, they were great. And this was through a, a, an American Legion post in Brooklyn, New York. And as a matter of fact, this was an old storefront, uh, American Legion. This is a big, huge American Legion. It, was called, it still is an operation. It's called Floyd Bennett American Legion, based on the, the f- fighter. I mean, not the fighter, the pilot and explorer, Floyd Bennett. He was the first person to fly over the the uh, South Pole. Richard Byrd was another person, he, you know, and I had an opportunity to meet Mrs. Floyd Bennett. I, you know, would uh, participate in activities through the Sea Scouts at Floyd Bennett Field. And you know, through the Floyd Bennett Post, uh, I have memorabilia from Floyd Bennett and all that stuff. So it's uh, it's an interesting thing. And uh, my dad was a, a commander of Floyd Bennett, uh, American Legion. I was a national commander in the, the Legion. Are you interested in spirituality and the paranormal? Do you enjoy having conversations about social issues and current events with a balanced and spiritual perspective? Are you intrigued by ancient prophecies and mysteries of the past or just unraveling modern day conspiracy theories? If so, I would like to invite you to come on a journey with me on my show, The Spirit Side, available on all the major podcast platforms. I'm Paul James Caden, and I hope to see you there. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. And um, again, I was lucky enough to be be part of the, you know, where I could be dragged along. I wasn't old enough to be a Sea Scout, but I was allowed to come along on all the activities because my dad was... uh, one of the leaders of that and uh, these older guys would be awful nice to me when I was just 10 or 11 or so on and so forth. We had this huge, huge, huge uh, PT boat, a for real PT boat that the uh, Legion purchased and had all, you know, refurbished 
with these huge uh, Pratt Whitney engines in them. Uh, it was an amazing boat. As a matter of fact, we made several rescues at sea. I'll never forget being part of a ceremony where I was at present when we rescued some people. And we received um, an award and recognition and we're in the, uh, you know, the Daily News and all that stuff. So it was rather nice. And one of the guys in that group for the several years that I had the opportunity to uh, hang out with them, you know, until I started growing up and going my own separate ways with things, was a fella, a tall, skinny Irish kid. And since this is in Brooklyn and in the in the 50s, in the early 60s, uh, and his name was Jimmy Hickey. And what was Jimmy Hickey like? Pretty much like uh, his niece said. Everybody loved him. He was a wonderful guy. He never said or did a bad thing. And he was for some reason, the mascot of of the Sea Scouts, the mascot of, of all the other guys. Uh, I, I don't know whether Jimmy might have had a little bit of a learning disability or some such thing. Uh, Jimmy wasn't uh, intellectually, uh, you know, disabled or anything else like that. Uh, but I think he had some learning problems, some, some different issues. And he was one of those kinds of uh, guys, as I remember him, and everybody who spoke about him, that he had an innocence about him. He wouldn't hurt a fly. He was the first uh, guy that people would play a joke on. Uh, you know, this wasn't the time of people being sensitive and, and caring about your limitations, <laughs> to say the least. So people would, you know, not I, of course, but people would always be playing jokes on Jimmy because he'd have these exaggerated reactions to things. And he was also the, you know, the life of the party and, and also the type of a, of a guy who could go off and, and, and play jokes on other people and whatever. He was the source of endless story uh, with the people of Sea Scouts and everybody, whether it be the, the, you know, the post members who were the leaders to the other fellas in the group. I'm not making the story up. And if you can hear the tone of my voice, everybody loved Jimmy. Everybody loved Jimmy, and I wasn't Jimmy's age, but I can remember going to the Boy Scout camp with the Sea Scouts or doing other things with the Sea Scouts. I used to get terribly seasick all the time, and uh, Jimmy uh, would help me out uh, with that, along with another guy who was a crackerjack sailor, and he, he died in a sailing accident, and for some reason his name escapes me right now, and I was just devastated. I was just devastated about that. And uh, Jimmy was so kind. He'd tell me all the, the secrets. And then there were these kind of hazing rituals that they would do uh, at the Boy Scout camp where you'd get these switches across your bottom, you know, from the scout leaders and everybody else standing there saying, oh, what a fool I, you know, oh, what a fool I am. It's silly things. They're kind of Boy Scout traditions and they're harmless and everybody gets a kick out of them. And Jimmy filled me in on it. And then he was promptly, uh, one night, there was some kind of a raiding party up there in the middle of the winter, and he was handcuffed to a, to a tombstone someplace <laughs> near a graveyard, and everybody was, you know, making spooky sounds, and he would freak out, and uh, it was just funnier than hell, and he loved it. He loved it. He was kind and wonderful to me, and like I said, God, God help anybody. And I never saw anybody say a bad word about Jimmy or try to pick on him or do anything else like that. Number one, he could take care of himself. But uh, no, uh, nobody would tolerate that. 
It was uh, everybody loved Hickey. And that's just what he was called, Hickey. Everybody loved him. And uh, again, the, the thing with Hickey, he was one of those guys that was, um, you know, just totally loving. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I can't say I was his family member where, I, where he might have had a bad day, might have misbehaved or something like that. I, I never saw it. I never heard anybody say that. And, and that's why, you know, I think he might have been uh, – I think he might have been in some ways a little bit slower than other people, uh, you know, with the learning kinds of things, uh, you know, maybe a, a mild kind of intellectual problem a little bit, uh, as I recall. Uh, and I'm not saying that with any disrespect. He was just a very, he had that innocence, that type of guy who was just innocent. Uh, you know, that uh, I, I don't mean to be overly dramatic about this, but uh, this is dedicated to him and what happens in wars and what, ha and what happens to real people. That's, that's just how he was. And I, I wanted to set the stage with that for a little bit with Jimmy. Uh, and just one last thing, the, the best example is that PT boat that I told you about. Now, can you imagine a Sea Scouts group having a, I mean, a World War II for real PT boat? These things are hard to come by. And this was mint shape. I can remember one night in the middle of the summer, we were out on maneuvers, I guess you would call it, with the Sea Scouts. And we came back in as all the guys loved. You could have a whole crew of people on that thing. And we came back in after a wild, wonderful time on the ocean with this thing, back into the, uh, into the, into the bay. And, uh, you know, uh, here we came through Sheep's Head Bay and then came back up to Mill Basin where we were. And there was a place called the Viking Marina that was uh, just outside of Floyd Bennett Field. And uh, you would pull in there and it was, uh, you know, we would dock the boat and you'd get something to uh, eat. They have little things, uh, you know, that are wharfside. And then we, you know, put the put the, uh, the boat away for the evening and everybody would go home. Well, everybody was out there having soda and hamburgers and stuff like that. It was a great night. But Jimmy stayed behind. And uh, the next thing we know, we hear, uh, I was there. I hear everybody screaming and Jimmy got it in his head to, uh, he thought he could drive the PT boat. <laughs> and it was like, a, it was like a, a Three Stooges movie where he took off with this, uh, you know, huge PT boat at top speed in this marina. And he's, he didn't know what the hell he was doing. He was frightened to death and he's riding around in circles and everything else. And the boat finally kind of, kind of crashed into the side of the dock. And, uh, you know, he, he, they got him out of there. And now instead of the people just wanting to kill him for doing such a thing, and he was, he was, you know, pretty old at the time. I would guess he was 17 or 18 years old. You know, he, you know, people told him, what the hell are you doing? But of course there were no consequences for Hickey. And it was the story of stories. And, uh, of course I was there, I saw it and, uh, people would tell it forever. And just like his lovely niece said, uh, what a good man he was and how they talked about him with love. Everybody told that story with love. They didn't say, that stupid son of a gun, that, 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 that hickey, you know, that hickey. Well, this is, all takes place in the, uh, like I said, the late 1950s and early 1960s to mid-1960s. And life goes on. I know I was 
15 or 16 at the time. And uh, I wasn't too hyped up about the uh, war in Vietnam like a lot of other people weren't. But, uh, you know, I knew all the uh, men from the Legion uh, who had been in World War Two, and I was born during the Korean War, and I saw people firsthand who were, you know, victims of that and war wounded and people that uh, my dad was a service officer for the Legion Two, or helping people get in the VA hospital. And I can remember a, a, a fellow coming over with the house all the time for dinner who was blind, who had been, you know, shot up in Korea and lost his sight. Uh, another person had a very terrible burns all over his face and different things like that. So this was pretty common in our family. But uh, the uh, men from the Legion were people I knew from when I was a little boy. They were my scout leaders, my sea scout leaders. They were just men from the neighborhood. Uh, and some of them were some very famous men, like uh, one of the fellows was a top Supreme Court judge, you know, uh, Senator, rather, uh, Judge Bill Ballard was a dear friend of our family. And he was a combat um, officer on D-Day and my dear friend Joe Howard, uh, his father, Big Joe Howard, uh, he was a, a combat infantryman on, in D-Day in Normandy. Uh, the Mr. Mr. Orifice and his brother were both, uh, they were both big-time Marines and had been both wounded seriously uh, in the South Pacific. And Mr. Bill McGarrigal had been, uh, you know, bombed at Pearl Harbor and just one person after another. They, they were all war veterans. And, uh, you know, they were pretty uh, pretty much uh, anti-communist, uh, as Legionnaires have a want to do. They're very much for God and country. That's Don't leave out the God. We even had uh, book covers that said, Seven Days Away from God Makes One Weak, W-E-A-K, not W-E-E-K. And they did a lot of things in the community, and they were big, very powerful with, you know, Congressman Dorn at the time, and all the other people and got lots of things uh, done. And uh, as I'm saying, there, there wasn't much you couldn't, that my father or the Legion couldn't get for you. I mean, they knew every politician, every policeman, every judge. They were a very powerful uh, unit in Brooklyn. And uh, certainly, um, like I said, any, you know, if you needed something uh, politically or um, if you needed something from any of the service kinds of things or the VA or whatever, this wasn't a storefront with 150 members. This had thousands of members. This had very powerful people, very powerful politicians, so on and so forth. But I can remember my father being a little bit, uh, you know, he's a real sensible guy, but he was a little bit on the hawkish side uh, of things. And then something happens like, uh, happens now that uh, people get an enlightenment uh, they become enlightened. And uh, I've told you many times, you know, for me, I was in the draft lottery and, you know, it was number seven or 12, whatever the hell it is. I don't even remember anymore, but it was one of the two. And, uh, of course, what happened, uh, well, Jimmy Hickey, well, he wasn't going to college or anything else like that. And, uh, that wasn't his game, uh, whatever Jim, uh, Jimmy was doing at the time. Uh, I'm sure it, certainly it wasn't any big shakes with anything. He was just a, a young man in his early 20s. And uh, what happened to what happened to Jimmy? Well, what happened to Jimmy was Jimmy got drafted. And when Jimmy got drafted, I'll never forget, my father 
and the other members of the Legion who would never step in the way for anybody of getting drafted or, or, you know, they figured, hey, look, they got drafted in World War II. The draft was part of the, that, that was part of the fair play or protecting your country. However, there were certain individuals they knew were not material for the army. Uh, they maybe, uh, you know, had a legitimate reason for deferment. And uh, when my father and the other legionnaires found out that Jimmy was uh, getting drafted, uh, they said, are, are you shitting me? You remember how I told you Jimmy was very loving and hardworking and a good guy? Well, whether Jimmy had a learning disability, I don't remember. I only remember him as a lovely guy. I know he wasn't the, the smartest guy. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namagamadov versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. But he could handle himself normally. Would he be, you know, a guy who might have a problem in the military? Yeah, like put in a dangerous situation. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. I mean, he, he may not, um, you know, be as aggressive as you need to be or, or maybe not as competent as you might need to be in a, in, a, in a very tense moment. I don't know. Or he might be okay. But it would seem to me that given some of the limitations in history that the Legionnaires knew and his family knew, Jimmy would be a guy that uh, the, the military didn't need Jimmy. They had plenty of other people they could draft. Uh, and Jimmy was a legitimate person to, uh, you know, maybe be exempt. Not maybe be exempt. He should have been exempt. And to see my father and the other people go on about that, uh, they had other sons, and um, including myself. You know, people get drafted, people join the military. That's it. That's so sorry, man. You know, we understand if you don't want to go, but that's, you know, you're doing your duty. Uh, not with Jimmy. Not to be repetitious about that. And I think that they thought that with all the strings that they could pull and all the people that they knew and all the judges and everybody else, that uh, Jimmy wouldn't have to go. And you want to know what? Growing up as a poor kid in Flatbush Avenue and in Brooklyn, and you'll hear my shows now and why I'm always a big guy on unions and why I'm always a big guy for the little guy, or I tell you to watch out for these, uh, hey, which you know anyway, these crooks with the, the tax breaks and all the bullshit for, for people who have. and Those aren't conspiracy theories. And that's how it worked in Vietnam, big time. If you were just a regular Charlie, a regular Joe, you know, and you weren't making any waves, if your number came up, you were going. If you had some money, if you had some balls, if you were manipulative, you were trying to get a doctor to say, you know, you had allergies, you couldn't do this or you could do that. If you were poor... If you, if you were just a salt of the earth, if you were just good people like Jimmy was and his family, I'm sure, uh, and you didn't know any better, you just, even though you were entitled not to necessarily serve in that capacity or a combat capacity, if they had to draft you, they could put you in a non-combat situation. He was just, he was just meat for the, uh, for the grinder. And they grabbed him, and there was nothing my old man could do. There was nothing the congressman could do. There was nothing nobody could do. The draft board wouldn't listen, and they took Jimmy. And Jimmy was born on uh, September 26, 1943. 
You know, that's when Jimmy was born. Uh, just to, to let people know, during World War II, you know, five, he was five years younger than my brother and all that kind of stuff. And what did they, what did, what did they do uh, with Jimmy? Well, they took Jimmy in and uh, he was assigned, uh, you know, to the infantry. He was assigned to D Company, is my understanding. The 1st Battalion, 12th Infantry, 4th Infantry Division of the United States Army in Vietnam. And Jimmy started his tour in Vietnam, not his basic training or anything else like that. He started his tour, believe this or not. He hit Vietnam on the 4th of July, 1967, when I was 17. And, uh, you know, he was 24, I guess, at the time. And there he was, uh, you know, doing his thing. He was in the military, okay. They took him. They didn't put him in a non-combat situation. They grabbed him. They tossed him right in and sent him over to Vietnam on that 4th of July, 1967. And guess what happened four months later? What happened was four months later, Jimmy and his uh, company, uh, you know, his battalion were involved in a uh, major engagement in Kantum province, is what they say, in South uh, Vietnam. He was 24 years old at the time. And what happened to him? Jimmy was killed, along with five other people, in the hostilities uh, on November 26th, 1967. Jimmy lost his life. And uh, what, what kind of a casualty type was he? What a wonderful thing. What does it say? Casualty type. Hostile. Died outright. What does it mean? It means he didn't receive any medical services. He didn't receive anything. He got wasted right off the jump. Casualty reason? He was a ground casualty. He was on the ground. He was fighting. He was in the middle of a battle. And what was the casualty detail? Multiple fragmentation wounds. What does that mean? Well, that means it was either a mortar or a mine or something else like that. Uh, you know, some type of what we, you know, a, an IED kind of a thing, Claymore mine, it could be anything. But I would assume it was a, a mortar or a bomb or some such thing like that. And uh, that was the end of Hickey. That was the end of him. And uh, if you look on the wall for James William Hickey, you'll see some sweet things by his family or other people. You'll also see some very, very sweet uh, things by a soldier or two who work with him. Uh, and they all said, God bless you. What a great guy. He was a great fighter and warrior and all that kind of stuff. They said he really handled his M60, you know, not his M16, but his M60, you know. Uh, you know, with, with dignity and uh, he was a brave guy to be with. Uh, but there they are. There's his life. There's his panel. You know, panel 30E, line 91. Uh, that's what he gets. That's what he gets. And that was his life. His life was over. Fragmentation wounds. You know, died instantly. And what does he get? He gets a spot on a wall, which is very nice and 
you get to see the virtual wall and you get to see that he's his medals, you know, it's US Army, Vietnam that he gets. He has his fourth infantry division marker. He has his 12th infantry division marker. And then what does he have? He has four medals and he has his rifleman's badge. And he was awarded the Purple Heart, the National Defense Vietnam Service Award and Vietnam Campaign Medals. And that's it for Jimmy. That's it for, for Jimmy and uh, for his life and for his kindness and uh, all those good things. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit more to it than that because I saw a huge change in my father who was always a very opinionated guy like I am and my son is and the Wenglands have a tendency to be. And uh, that changed him quite a bit uh, on where we were at, uh, you know, as a country at that point in time and what we were doing in terms of being things right and wrong. And I'll never forget him telling me, he says, uh, and I never saw my father cry except once in my life. And that was a time he was uh, right on the verge and, and kind of doing it. And he was never a griper with anything. And he was vehement. Uh, I can, can picture him like it was yesterday saying, that isn't right. And he went down to that draft board and he cussed those guys out. And he let people know that you use this kid, as he would always say, you use this kid like cannon fodder. And those were his words. Now, that's not me disrespecting Jimmy. It's like when the show, if you, you like military shows, maybe you'd like to listen to my show called Thank You for Your Service. I think that's a really bogus thing that we say to service members because uh, it's we, we flip it out and say thank you for your service and then somebody else has to go and do the fighting for us and many times. And I, I understand that people are trying to be nice and acknowledging things, but... Uh, Maybe everybody should do some service in some kind of way. And, uh, you know, we can thank each other for uh, their service uh, a little more uh, fairly. And this was the height of unfairness. And I wanted Jimmy's family to know, or Jimmy's spirit to know. Uh, I hope he's, as corny as that sounds, is somewhere in the cosmos and some spiritual realm and knows that uh, this show is dedicated to him. And to know that for always, from the day of his death, from the day that I found it out, I'm not saying that for this show. This show is just an opportunity for me to, to put this out so it's out there and kind of memorializing him in my own way. I've been doing this for 53 years. I still carry his mask card. And Jimmy wasn't my age. Jimmy was seven years older than me. Jimmy was a wonderful guy in my life for several years. He was kind and he was loving. And he was every, he had every quality of uh, the type of person I'd like to hang out with and have as a friend, a neighbor, a son, a brother. And obviously the guys who served with him uh, said the same thing. And you know, it's the first time I've ever seen, uh, there was somebody submitted a picture of him. I haven't seen a picture of Jimmy uh, except for the one in my mind for, I don't know, 53 years, maybe more, close to 60 years, maybe. And no, about, you know, a little bit less than that. And uh, 
including the one which I know it was immediately him when I saw his picture in his military uniform, was another one where he's sitting on the ground someplace, it looks like in Vietnam, and there is his big, shocking uh, uh, head of red hair. And he had that long, thin, Fred Astaire type of face. He looked like, uh, uh, boy, if he ever looked like an Irish guy from New York, if he wasn't, he ought to be. <laughs> Just that Jimmy's face. Jimmy's face like a little Irish uh, angel. And um, you hear about people who don't have a bad bone. I don't think he had one. And that's what war is all about, you know, and on Memorial Day. It's all about people thinking they know what it is. They're thinking that it's a John Wayne movie or Platoon or Apocalypse Now. And you've got Robert Duvall jumping around and all the craziness. But you know what it really is? It's a big friggin' waste. It's a big friggin' waste of life. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of Jimmies. You know, there's thousands. When my son was in uh, Iraq uh, and he's in really dangerous stuff, uh, you know, in the in the early 2000s, uh, he was doing combat convoy patrols. A woman came by the block with a neighbor and they saw his car there. And they said, whose car is that? And I said, oh, it's my son in the military. And she says, oh, that's, oh, that's so good. We're so proud of him. You know, thank you for your service. And so we pray for him. And I said, can you do me a favor? Because I know they're very religious. And so am I in many ways. And I said, what? And I took them back for a second. I said, don't, don't, don't pray for him. I said, Pray for all the soldiers. I said, pray that they all miss. They all miss their targets. And they looked to be a little bit like they were strange, but me saying that was based on the men from uh, post-1060 that I loved, that were good men. The lesson they learned and the lesson I learned from Jimmy Hickey. It's life isn't a John Wayne movie. It's not saving Private Ryan, even though, even though the people who did things in those situations and those men in the Legion, some of the heroic things they did were beyond, just beyond belief. They, they truly were heroes. And the Hickeys were heroes. Innocent people put in positions they shouldn't be put in. It's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing, war. And beautiful souls are wasted in it. And I know you know that. But uh, this was one story uh, and one soul. Uh, I want to remember more than a virtual wall that somebody just happens to come across. Jimmy was uh, worth more than that. He's worth more than the Purple Heart or the Rifleman's Badge. You know, his niece would like to, to love on him and his family. They want to know about him. And I don't know, maybe this uh, small loving tribute is uh, important. Anyway, Jimmy, I've never forgotten you. Uh, for decade upon decade upon decade, and I never will. And maybe sometime I'll uh, get a chance to meet you in another life in another phase of this journey, and we can uh, go out on the uh, PT boat together again. 
I hope you enjoyed this uh, spontaneous and heartfelt and authentic uh, memorial to my friend, James William Hickey. Private First Class, D Company, First Battalion, 12th Infantry, 4th Infantry Division. He was born September 26, 1943. And he passed away November 26th, 1967. We miss you, Jimmy. That's it for Just Thinking. I'll catch you on our next show. You guys have a nice Memorial Day. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to Just Thinking with Stan Wagland. Please check out our website, www.rcpodnetwork.com or email him at swagland at gmail.com. And please make sure to subscribe to Just Thinking with Stan Wagland on your favorite podcast outlet.